Good evening, Lowell, Massachusetts. And now, presenting a joint production of For the Pops and the NAI Network. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. A verbal history of chaotic wrestling by the two men who were there from the beginning. Hall of Fame ring announcer and commentator, Rich Palladino. He is the current reigning and defending Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. Former owner of Chaotic Wrestling for nearly two decades, Jamie Jamakowski. No blood, no cursing, stay off the barriers. It's time to let the chaos begin on the NAI Pop Network. Welcome to Let the Chaos Begin, Rich Palladino and Jamie Jamikowski, not connected by Skype again. We are live. We're doing it live in person. We're here at the NAI Pop Network Studios. These are actually the For the Pop Studios, Rich. Whatever it is. The NAI Pop, they're, they're south of here. These are the, these are the For the Pops. I'm here. It's studios. the Let the Chaos Begin Studios. We and we have a very, very special oh. guest. Uh, we are graced by the presence of a man who is a world traveler, has been living in California for the past three years, home for a couple months before moving off somewhere else. The Hurricane, John Walters, welcome to Let Thank the Chaos you. Begin. Such a pleasure to be here. Are How you, was that? Was that convincing? The main question yeah. is, are you miserable? No, I'm good. I'm happy. Okay. happy it's, er, with, it's, it's early yet. Happy, Don't worry. Happy to be with friends. <laughs> Don't worry. You know, as John and I are seated at opposite sides of the conference table. I did There's one this. chair between us just, just in case somebody just in case. to show up. Just in case. You never know what's going to happen. Yep. So we're here, and we've got a guest, and we're pretty psyched about this one. Uh, Jamie and I have been talking about this since you came home a month or so ago. Um, so we kind of wanted to talk about, obviously, your career in chaotic wrestling, things you've done outside of chaotic wrestling. Um I don't no. want to talk about stuff outside of chaotic wrestling. All I care about is chaotic, Rich. Let's stay right. focused, Rich. Well, first, first of all, you, uh, when was the last time you and I actually saw each other? It's been a while. Probably the last time I worked the chaotic match, which was in 2011. But I don't even know if you were there. It was in the fall. I think you might have still been in Hawaii, maybe. I, and I, I think I was there for I it. Tommaso. I think I was there for it. I reminded him of that before you got here, and he didn't remember it. You had thought it was no, like I, a I, I took Fury. some notes. On like the history of John Walters, I, I thought your last one was Cold Fury. I forgot you came back for that one. Cold Fury against Chase was two years prior. Right. Then I came yeah, yeah. back against Tommaso. But Ortiz was telling me that Ortiz and I wrestled again, and then we tagged to get together. Was that after the Tommaso match, or was that before that? He he thinks it was after. I, I the calendar's lost on me. I, I don't know. If Adult was here, he'd be able to tell us the dates. Adult would the be able to tell us and, and, and the attendance. Rich was amazed. Before you got here, we were kind of going over some notes in my office. I actually have every single booking sheet. From like 2005 through 2017. Well, then you'll so have to look. I'll have to go through <laughs> one by one. Yeah, take your time. All right, I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> okay. I'll be back in about 45 minutes. You guys, right. perfect. Just continue without me. Oh my god. So, anyways, yeah. So this is what it is. It's very uh, nonchalant conversation. Just three dudes talking about wrestling. Um, so you began wrestling professionally in 2000. Yes. And your last name Walter was taken in honor of your trainer. Killer Kowalski, right. um, Walter Killer Kowalski. Um, so you were wrestling for Walter and I assume a couple of other independents. How did you descend upon Chaotic Wrestling, I believe, in 2001? Yeah, I started in 2000, January of 2000. That's when I first started uh, in Malden for Kowalski, training with him. And I was going to college at the time in Worcester, so I had about an hour and a half commute each way. And I was doing that four days a week. Um, weekends, I would stay in Framingham with my parents. And I don't think I missed a class for like the first year and a yeah. half. I was 
uh, the first one there, last one out. They Take to, note, kids. They had to pull guys like Vicalo and Wagner and me and uh, other some other guys out of there. They closed the lights on us at the end of the night because we wanted to learn so bad. <laughs> but that was pretty much the start. And then four or five months in, I think I did a couple battle royals for uh, Mike Sparta. I think uh, yeah. some unbelievable shows those were. <laughs> and, uh, a good uh, friend of Chaotic, Mike absolutely, Sparta. He, yeah. he, loved, yeah. he yeah. loved all of us at Chaotic. I think I worked a couple singles matches for him, and then I was also working for Walter when he ran shows, which was maybe twice a year. He was doing some shows up in New Hampshire. I think he did one in Suffolk Downs once. Uh, I don't quite remember how many shows I worked for Walter, but there were a few for him. And then, uh, yeah, and then I started working for NECW for Sheldon for a while, too. And I think early on, those were the three people that I was working for before Chaotic uh, got their uh, cut their claws in me. And Jamie and I talked several yeah. times on this podcast about when the... Um when the company, when Chaotic started, it was a different group. It was uh, mostly a bunch of wrestlers out of the Rhode Island area. And we started kind of branching out. And we, while we kept the originals, um, I had signed my contract and given my soul to the devil to be a part of Chaotic Wrestling. Is this how we're going to set the tone for the day? <laughs> I, all right. I, I but, understand. No, Joe, but I'm sorry. Your buddy John is here, so you're gonna you're gonna turn on me. You're gonna turn uh, babyface with John <laughs> on me for the rest of the day. I'm That's only fine. here temporary. Don't turn on him. No, That's no, fine. no. It's fine. No. But I had signed my contract. I was fully in, ingrained in chaotic wrestling, and myself, Milo Masterson, and I'm pretty sure Ben Lentini went to an NECW show huh. at Good Time Emporium in uh, Somerville, a building that is no longer there. And I believe that might have been the first time you and I met. I would say, yeah, I, I don't have the kind of memory you have, but that's probably accurate, yeah. And I don't even remember who I wrestled that night, do you? I don't. I just remember that the two gentlemen I were with were like, oh, this guy looks like an athlete. He's pretty good in the ring. I said, oh, he's trained by Kowalski. I've, I've heard of him. It's the first time I've seen him. And it wasn't too long after that that you would come over to Chaotic. But that night, remember the New England Informer uh, website that mm -hmm. would just bury everything about New England Indies? That was the night I officially became Snitch Paladino because oh. me, Ben, and Milo were there just to steal talent for Chaotic. We really sent the, the, the all-star recruiters after you, didn't we, John? <laughs> yeah. You know, Rich, Milo, and, and you, Lentini. The only thing right. missing was handing me an envelope at the end of the show with a, <laughs> with a handshake and saying, hey, we'll talk soon. But, but I think those words were said, and it wasn't too long after that you had come on board. So uh, what are your early memories when you had first come over? Yeah, I, I remember. I do remember meeting you at that show, and I remember Milo there too. I don't remember Ben. Uh, I'm sure he was there, but I just don't remember him. And I think it might have been Mike Stud that I wrestled. To be honest with you, um, could have been. Yeah, because in good times, I think I wrestled Mike Stud, and then I did a tag match one time. That's all I can remember from from those early days. They all kind of escaped me, but um, I remember you, you know, talking to me, and you were booking the talent at the time, right, for Chaotic. Yeah, my. Um I had the title of ring announcer and um, talent administrator. Yeah. So, yeah, so they had actually let me go out, and uh, we were talking before we went on the air. Um, guys like yourself, Vince Vicalo, Wagner Brown, referee Mike Crockett, those were some of the ones that I worked with. Uh, the latter uh, fellas that I mentioned worked with me at uh, what was left of NWA New England at the time. So I knew these guys pretty well. You I had never met. Mm -hmm. um, so we were building something, and... Like I said, Jamie and I talked about this. You know, we had our core group, but then we started the affiliation with the Kowalski guys. Um, so again, 2001, you came on board. So wait, John, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the Kowalski, were you there? We talked about this on a podcast. Were you there the night Kowalski threw me out of the school in Malden because I showed up to 
Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, yeah, I would have remembered that. Yeah, it sounds you amazing. That. You would remember that. No, I remember Arch was there. Arch was there. Because I remember when Kowalski threw me out, it was Arch who kind of remember that old rickety stairway to yeah. get up there. Arch came down and got me after I'd been thrown. Was what like, was yeah. his reason for throwing you out? Uh, so that's when we actually had we had we had a deal with with Kowalski's school, and I was there to actually film a commercial. I had the uh, I had the, the camera with me, and somebody had gotten to Walter. I think it was Sparta, mm-hmm. and told him that we were a bunch of scumbags and this and that. And Walter backed out of the deal and threw me out because I remember wow. I remember Hollow wasn't there that night. Randy didn't come with me. And I didn't know a lot of people. But then he threw me out. I remember it was Arch who followed me down the stairway, but I couldn't remember if you were there. Yeah, but it was like a full-on Walter. You, you'll remember them screaming at me, calling me every name in the book oh. as he throws me out of his school. I definitely would have, if I was there, I would have remembered. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of my fun. And I've talked about it, but by, toward the end of it, Walter and I actually became very close yeah. once he kind of came on board with us. And he knew I was Polish and and all that. It was <laughs> fine, but man, that day. Just straight up, just get the f out. God, the, you know, in that big voice, yeah, threw me out. I yeah, I, you uh, there. I, I just remember the early chaotic days. I remember the, the first match against Wagner in Worcester, and mm-hmm. I remember there was the voiceover on the PA system when you were it was you and somebody oh, else. You were there we used to call call the matches. So oh, the, you mean oh the live commentary? Live commentary. Yeah, where where the fans you can would glare at me all you want, Paladino. That was that, <laughs> that was ahead of its time. Where the fans would hear the commentary and was yes. like, oh my god, he's a, he's right behind him getting ready for something. And <laughs> well, I blame that on the announcers. A skilled announcer would have been able to get around that kind of stuff and look like an idiot sh- if he's not calling the obvious. Certain things you shouldn't have oh, given wow, away. Oh wow, I am really turning heel on That's you. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I, I knew this was going to happen. This I've never been John. Yeah, but I I don't have any negative thoughts. It was it was a good locker room, good group of guys, and everybody was kind of working for the for the common goal. And I don't remember any egos in the locker room, and the ones that were there were kicked out quick. So that yeah. was a, the good thing about the company that from the early days that I remember. And so you were actually there. What we were amazed when we first started doing this podcast, John. And again, I, I know you haven't really listened to us. How long do you think Randy Miller was with the company? A few years, was it? Yeah. It, what did we figure out? Which it was like less than two years. Yeah. For all we talk yeah. about, because I don't think he was there at Cold Fury 2 when you and Jay wrestled. Because remember at that one, Cold Fury 2, and I know I'm jumping ahead. Cold Fury 2. Oh, against each other. You guys wrestled against each other. The ladder match. And that was the ladder match where something happened with the chair shot, and our good friend Mako lost his yes. mind. Um, Vicala was stepping up, and I threw the powder in his eyes, and he was like three rungs below where he should have been. And I basically had to do a chair shot to the... To him, about seven inches lower than lower than he should have been, and I hit the the uh, the top of the ladder and oh. maybe nicked him. But <laughs> and Mucko was apoplectic. Yeah, I think I was too. But you know, I was more soft spoken. I didn't flip out at my opponents right. ever. But yeah, right. I wasn't so happy. At that point, that means if Mucko was that involved, Randy had to have been gone at that point because Mucko and Pants were booking. Because you were really, and we're jumping around a little bit. <laughs> you were the first champion of my chaotic wrestling. Because Randy left, and that's when I think Aaron was probably Aaron or Louie was probably champ when when Randy left. But then I kind of took over the company. Mucko and Pants started booking, and you were kind of their guy at I that point. I think their first order of business was getting the title on me. I think that's pretty yeah. much the first show they booked. Really, one of one of the one early of the ones. ones. Yeah, because they turned me. I remember when I turned heel against Vicalo. And mm-hmm. Lawrence, when he uh, was drinking outside, and I nailed him with the beer can, and I don't know if that was you guys or if that if that was Randy was still there for that, I believe. Okay, but I think wh- I turned heel, and then I won the belt a few shows later. I think against Aaron, right? 
Right. But I remember, that's what I, if, if you tell me what's my first memory of John, my first one is I always remember Cold Fury because you worked double duty that night. Yes. Because you were kind of the big surprise that you and Jay teamed up that you would wrestle each other you would wrestle each other in the opener in the opener yep. and then you came back as a tag team to beat the one night stand right and i always remember that but then i remember the whole you know you as the first champion of of my chaotic era mm-hmm. and Would, of course the perfect tag team name for john walters and vince vicalo 12 pack one of my favorite tag teams 12 pack uh, so much fun to work with him and it wasn't even didn't even feel like working i mean he was he was what he he was his character yeah. at all times. It, there was no character that Vince Vicalo was Vince Vicalo. Vince and we, he still probably is. We tried yeah. to tell Vince Vicalo stories, but like unless you could experience it, like Ray, uh, excuse me, Richard and I, we talked on the last show. I've never met somebody who could drink so much in one night, get up the next morning, go do cardio, and be fine by ten. But you know the reason that he would work out in the morning before work is that he so he could get to the bar for happy hour. That was his reason <laughs> for doing it. He told me his routine was he'd wake up in the morning, he'd go to the gym lift weights, drink a beer in the shower as he was getting ready for work and then he'd go My to the barber God. shop and then he'd be at uh, I think Owen O'Leary's or one of the one of the bars, his regular bars at Brockton. Yeah, Brockton yeah. for for happy hour. I said, "Why don't you just go to the gym after work?" He goes, "Nah, nah, nah, nah." He wouldn't give me a reason. Then I put two and two together. He wanted to get the two for one on drinks. Well, two talls and a small. Two talls and a small. <laughs> Vince Vicello was at my bachelor party before I got married. I was there too at, yeah. the, at the strip club. At the strip club, yeah. and then I, I remember, and it was just—if you ever just want to have the best Vince Vicello experience, go to a bachelor party with him because <laughs> he is a walking bachelor party. Yeah, I remember driving with him to uh, North Adams for that one show in the Corvette, and oh. he was oh. drinking. I said, "Jay, I'm drinking to drive back." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We. Uh, I, I was telling the story <clears throat> how we all did the show at the the Strive Center in South Portland, Maine. And somebody had passes to like a gentleman's club or something. And we were all out, but we hadn't booked a hotel. We, it was me, you, Vicalo. We, we hadn't got the hotel yet. And we ended up doing the show, going out after way too late, and then started trying to find a hotel in the summer in Maine. And we could not find anything. We finally found something at literally like four in the morning. I remember this. Yeah. And Arch was with us too, I believe. And Arch. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Because I. Well, it's a cast of characters right yeah. there in that car. We'll, we'll tell that other story. I think offline. Brian Black worked security at. The, yes, at the club. he had passes for like oh, this okay. platinum so, something think. or other. So, so we had all these passes, and Arch would be like, "I don't understand. Why would a girl as pretty as you be wanting to do this?" I, I mean, seriously, he was Arch. having full blown conversations, <laughs> not interested in in the show or anything. Just really wanted to get into the psyche of. The dancer and want to know why she was doing what she was doing, but the point is we didn't get to a hotel till like literally like four in the morning. And he slept two hours and then went and get to the gym. Went to tap gym. me on the shoulder. He goes, "Can I have the keys? I want to go to the gym." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I could barely lift my head off this pillow." And yeah, that was it. He had to yeah. get to the gym, but that wasn't for happy hour. I, th- I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to sweat it all out. I'm I mean, not sure. I don't know what what the method to his oh. madness was. But early days, I mean, he was the guy that I was paired up with, and then it was Ortiz yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, and then you know all the other guys on the roster. I sure I wrestled it at some point, but it was fun. It was a good group of guys to travel with and wrestle. Well, I think I think you pants and Mako came up with early on. You talked about Louis Ortiz, and you guys were really the first big good feud we had in Chaotic. Uh, that was kind of the one that I think kind of propelled us in New England. And my favorite part of that whole thing was still the night. Um, Methuen. You retired mm-hmm. or you were quitting. And I remember uh, my point of pride in this whole thing, Rich, I actually edited the tribute video to John to Coldplay's, uh, it was Clocks. 
I yes. remember that. Remember yeah. that? The du- it was a double turn because yes. I was the big I was the big heel yep. and Ortiz was the baby face and we were basically, you know, the feud that we built that we built that rivalry for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then the big blow off match was in Methuen when Dr. Tom was the uh, special guest ref and Ortiz went over and won the belt. Did he but not? before all that, we got to rewind because the feud that you two had was really Really good stuff, but yeah. that was when we didn't we do the Death Valley Driver on on the barricade, on the barricade. Yeah. and that was like and we, we had an we actually we had, had an, an ambulance. ambulance there. Yeah, this was after Ortiz and I did the the blow off match with Doctor Tom. Right. Oh, that was this after. Was, this okay. was because I was the heel at the time, yeah. and he was the babyface, and he won the belt back from, from right. me. Right. And then okay. we kind of did we the feud kind of still lingered a little bit until the time we did that uh, that. That turn basically, he DVD'd me on the guardrail. The yeah. the, poli- uh, the EMTs Ambulance. came, yeah. they got me out of there, and then there was all over the internet that I was injured my neck and this oh, and yeah. that. But that's I, I don't want to gloss this over because this gets back to when we talk about him all the time. Our friend Eric and, and his nickname was Mucko, and Mucko and Fat Pants were booking at the time. And I'll never forget the conversation was one thing about Mucko if you looked at our best bookers. Pants was good at the long term stuff, at, at tying stuff together. Mucko was really good at moments and ideas and creating that that holy shit or that that thing everybody's going to remember. And that's what Mucko came up with that night. And he's like, you know, could we do this on the guardrail? And, you know, how could we make this look realistic? And I remember Mucko saying, could we get an ambulance? We're all staring at each other. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so I want to say it was actually Ben Lentini who made the first call. And I remember Ben calls me at the time. And he's like, hey, we can rent an ambulance for an hour. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, they'll, they'll do whatever you want. So I remember we had them parked at the little, there was like a, a strip mall right up the road. That's where they dropped me off after. Yeah. <laughs> we had, it was like the early days of cell phones. But basically what we did was one of us was at the mall with the ambulance. Somebody else said, okay, they're going to it. Send them. Yep. And we sent it. We stopped the show. We sent people out. And I, I still say that was one of the best angles we ever ran because yeah. it was so realistic. Yeah. yeah. And I remember I, I, I took the move onto the guardrail. I just went limp. And yep. I remember saying to the referee, I can't move my neck. And right. And Johnny Fabulous was was hysterically get these fans out of here. This is serious. This is a real injury, and this <laughs> wow. and that. And the funniest thing about that was the EMTs came. They they put me on the gurney. They they yeah. um, you know braced my neck, and they dropped me off down the street. And when I got up off the um, off the gurney. The kid that was EMT, I recognized him. He used to work at Star Market with my brother. He's like John. I was like, yeah, and, and like it was like, and I, 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 they knew what they were yeah. doing. When they knew what was yeah. going on, but it was kind of funny because he probably didn't even know that I was a wrestler or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, and then that set up to the time where I was coming into the ring a few shows later, saying that I was going to retire, mm-hmm. and Ortiz turned on me, and then it was like I'm back to I'm a babyface now, and he's the heel. Yeah, yeah was, I forgot that was double turn. Yeah, yeah. And, and that all led to shoots and ladders, right? Yes, the famous or infamous shoots and ladders match. Yeah. Which was which was that was was that at a Cold Fury? 3? That was Cold Fury three. That okay. was at the PAV in Lowell, yeah. and uh, that was the very first show at the PAV. That was where again uh, Mucka would come up with the idea of shoots and ladders. Yeah, and what he came up with was a name. He liked the name shoots and ladders submission with ladders. Yeah, um, and I'm, I, we'll get into this, but there, there, a certain person had a problem with the match <laughs> after the fact. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have a building for that show. Right. We had, and I will never forget. I was at the CTC one night. And adult calls me. He's like, uh, uh, hey, uh, where are you? I'm like, I'm at the CTC. He's like, can you meet me in Lowell? I'm like, where? And he gives me that. I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, meet me at the... Coburn Street. But no, he told me, meet me at the uh, like Longhorn Steakhouse in Tuxbury. So we met there. He's like, I think we have a building. 
And he found the PAV, yep. like literally a month and a half before Cold Fury 3. That was such a cool building. Oh, I, mean, I love the, that the environment in that building. Probably one of the, my favorite places to wrestle was that low PAV. It was the same fans over and over. They were always energetic, no matter how big or small the crowd was. Right. And some of the wars I had in there, just, <sighs> just fantastic. Yeah, it was an amazing building, an amazing vibe. And when it was packed, it was packed. And you if, if you think about, like I said, it's such a shame. It's not, I think it's a, like a, a, a church now, mm. like a church group bought it. But when you think about it in terms of like wrestling history, the names that wrestled in there, I mean, from you and your whole group, like all the way up to Kofi, Mercedes, Fred Sampson, all those people wrestled on that stupid back back road in Lowell. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's where, whenever there were names that I wrestled it, for Chaotic, it was there. I, res- I wrestled Austin Aries there. Yeah. I wrestled uh, uh, Fergal Devitt. Finn Balor now. Wow. Um, I remember wrestling yeah, him right. because he was in town. Um, I, I, you know, Ortiz was there. I wrestled yeah. Andre there. I wrestled um, God, Mike Cruel. Tommaso, the Logans, Mike Cruel. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was the place. That's yeah. where the shows were. And that's where you had had your last match before, well, back in what, 2011 when you wrestled Tommaso was at the PAV. Yeah. Right. Because I know you would put a picture on social media and so many people are like, oh my God, I miss that building. So then, John, my question for you is, and now we'll kind of get into when, I don't want to say you and Chaotic parted ways, mm-hmm. but uh, like a few years after that, I think like 2002, 2003, that's when you kind of hooked up with Ring of Honor. Right. Right. I believe it was 2003. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how'd, you, how'd you find Ring of Honor? Um, I was, I mean, I knew who they were, but it was not one of these things where I want to go wrestle for Ring of Honor. I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll submit a tape and see what happens. Back then it was uh, VHS tapes, yep. you know. Um, and I believe I submitted a tape and never heard anything. And then I remember wrestling for Dan Marotti in um, Wakefield. I wrestled Ortiz. I think it was the first time Ortiz and I ever wrestled. So, oh, wait, wait uh, maybe it wasn't. No, it couldn't have outside been. Outside of we Chaotic? Were, outside of Chaotic, I yeah. believe, yeah. And that was actually the, uh, the same night Ortiz met his wife, Julie. Really? She was a fan. Uh, with One of her girlfriends was there. I think she might have been dating a wrestler or she knew a wrestler or something, and Ortiz met his wife for the first time that yep. night. So Ortiz and I wrestled, and Capetta was there doing his book tour. Remember, he also did the uh, book... Uh, oh, I remember. Yeah, he did it at the, at the CTC as well. And Capetta and I met. Um, well, we had met at the at the CTC. Right. I helped carry his books back to his van with him. Yeah, Capetta had a van. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, and the big, the, the big life-size book and all that. And um, he's, you know, I said, well, we're also going to be, he said, well, I'll be with Sheldon tomorrow, and then I'll be in Wakefield on Saturday or whatever day it was. I said, oh, I'll be, I'll see you there. So after the match, he came up to me and said, I really was impressed. He goes, give me your email. I'll shoot you back some feedback. And he did. And he was basically contacted Gabe, who was the Booker of Ring of Honor at the time. And he said, "Um, I'm impressed with this guy. Use him. And Gabe ended up calling me like a week later, and they had a spot in Philly for a, I don't think it was a pre-show. I think it was like a main show. It was kind of one of those, um, you know, tryout matches for Ring of Honor. And mm-hmm. I went and did that. And then from there, I was there for a few years. And that was so. that was in the real early stages of Ring of Honor. Believe yeah. it or not, Ring of Honor is a year younger than Chaotic. Yeah. yeah. But they went on a, on a definitely a different path. Yeah, this is when it was like, you know, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, Low Key, those guys. Um, yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Pretty decent workers. Yeah, so it was um, <laughs> it was in, in its early stages as well, but a few years in. So then, But one person I talk about a lot on, on all these podcasts, and I've said it privately, professionally, everything, is Jim Kettner. Mm-hmm. I've always said that Jim Kettner, he's the one who taught me everything I knew about wrestling and promoting, and he taught me everything I know, which was still probably only a quarter of what he knew. And you were really the first one from up here, from I should say from our group, 
who went down to ECWA in, in the Super 8. Right. How did that happen? Did he reach out to you, or or was it had you been uh, reaching out to him? So it was something similar uh, where I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a point where I, I moved to Jersey for like four months because I wanted to just work that scene. I had worked in New England for mm-hmm. for what was it, three years, and mm-hmm. I had worked everywhere up here. I said, well, it's just time for some change. I want to go work new guys and, and yep. get out of the area. So I went down to Jersey for four months, rented a, rented a place, and just worked the indie scene down there. And there was supposed to be a match with Mike Krul and somebody else, I don't remember who, for Kettner, and the one guy pulled out with either an injury or no-show or whatever, and he called Capetta, and mm-hmm. he said, do you have anybody? And Gary said, yeah, I got the right guy for you. He's in town now, and Capetta drove me down there to Kettner's show, and I wrestled Krul. And uh, that was it. They, he started using me from there, and um, it was kind of on a monthly thing. Then he put me in the Super 8 tournament uh, maybe a year later. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that opened the relationship between Chaotic and, and ECWA because he knew that the guys were trained right, and right. he wanted to use guys that looked like wrestlers and, and knew how to work. So um, th- the rest was history. But, I mean, talk about a, a promoter who's was so successful for so long. Mm-hmm. His houses were never dead, and he always – had a crowd and he knew yeah. his crowd. Yeah. Yeah. So uh again, smart definitely a smart guy. And uh, I actually talked to him about a week ago about connecting when I'm driving back through when I go to Florida. I so. just saw Jim probably about probably about six months ago. Actually I think it was a year ago because I just saw it pop up on my Facebook feed, but I had business down in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I said, before I get before I go, I'll drive up. And he and Jim bought me dinner, John. Stop. I swear <laughs> Jim bought me dinner. Kenner did not pay. No, no. But remember, I you actually defended the ECWA title on one of our shows, you you and Mike Cruel. Right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was his I was his heavyweight champion, and uh, yeah, it was not like a cross promotional thing, but I think it was one of those deals where I came back and I defended it because right. Cruel was an ECWA guy too, and both of us were chaotic guys as well, so it was kind of a cross promotion title defense. And we've talked about that how we had the relationship with Kettner's ECWA, and we had the uh, Kevin Knight's IWF. Did you ever work down for IWF at all? Never. You you escaped that one. Yeah, I, I don't think I was ever asked, or maybe I was, and I just couldn't make it. I don't. That, I don't that might have been a little f- bit after you, though. Yeah, that's where Fred Sampson and the Danny guys that really and... worked down there. That was like Max and Malonis and the Logans and Chase. I think like Chase and Max worked down there a lot. Yeah, I don't think I was super active in this area right. at that time. Yeah. And Max also ended up. We left this off last time. We were talking about uh, Kettner. Do you remember the character that Max Bauer had in ECWA? He was German, right? Max, was, Max von Bauer. He was Kerman the German. Kerman the German. That's right. I, but I, I remember his. I remember his manager it used to be Jim Schwartz. Then he turned heel. I remember. And him. he was Jim Schwartz. Oh. And I remember Jim Kettner calling me with that idea. Just to this day, it's probably been fifteen years. But Jim was so excited that he turned Jim Schwartz the babyface. Into Jim Schwartz. It was definitely a wacky, zany audience and crowd and show, but Jim knew his crowd because yeah. it was the same people that were going for 30 years, so he mm. knew what they wanted to see. And it was more of a family-type family, family type show until the, unless it was a Super 8. Then it was more like a Smart Mark show. But other than that, it was kind of a family show, but he wanted variety. He wanted the serious wrestlers. He wanted the flyers. He wanted the comedy. He wanted the Gaga stuff. So uh, he knew what he was doing. I always <laughs> remember Mr. Ulala. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was the one I was about to bring up. Mr. Yeah. Ulala. Yep. And go. the thing about Jim, too, is he did the Super 8. The Super 8 was like the tournament to get into. Yeah. So if you got invited to compete in it, it was it was an honor. And the thing about Jim, and I can only speak for the 10th one because I got to ring announce the 10th one, but you didn't know who was winning that tournament until pretty much the right before. I right. mean, I remember going to dinner the night before, all of us, 
And I remember getting out of dinner. I'm like, so when are we going to find out? Like, who's wrestling? All I cared Mm -hmm. about was who I was going to introduce and who was against who so I could be prepared for that. And somebody, it might have been Mike Moraldo, Ace Darling's like, oh, no, no, you don't find that out until I didn't right find before. out because everybody was telling me, oh, you're going you're gonna to win it and you're going to win it. And I was like, well, like, like, like it was some big deal. And, you know, was I yours, never cared about winning or losing, but. Was yours, you won the tournament and the title? Why is that? I didn't win the Super 8 tur- title. The, okay. the, 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 he had built it up to, to as, people assume that I was the favorite to win, right. which is another brilliant booking move. If they're expecting yeah. it, don't give it to them. Uh, I wrestled Psychosis in the opener. And then I wrestled Austin Aries in the second in the second round, which was you know a fantastic match. Mm-hmm. And this was before Aries was on the map, so mm-hmm. um, he kind of made his name in that tournament. I think he'd done like a pre-show for Ring of Honor before that, but this was Aries and I did the uh, second round, and he and he he beat me. And then I believe it was Aries and Christopher Daniels in the finals, and Christopher Daniels went over. Yeah, I okay. believe Christopher Daniels won that tournament, and that was nobody was expecting that because he'd right. been there for so long and. Well, that was Jim's genius of every year, and he would, he told me this once that every year, he would know what he wanted the result to be. Mm-hmm. Like you said, okay, he's going to paint the picture that John's going to win it, and then John gets bounced in the first round, or you said second round. Second round. But he'd do that sometimes where he'd bring in a name, and they'd get bounced early. Yeah, yeah. the year well, I was there was Charlie Haas, and everybody yeah. expected that Charlie Haas was going to win and end up being Davy Richards, and nobody knew who Davy right. Richards was at that time, and. My God, did he explode after that? And then I forget who it was. It might have been Chris Daniels, but somebody was like the first two-time winner of the it Super. It was Daniels. Daniels. I think he won. I think the year he won, uh, I was in it was his second year in a row, and that's why nobody expected right. it. I believe I could right. be wrong. But that was all stuff Jim plotted out. I mean, God knows in chaotic, we we couldn't think that far ahead. We <laughs> we couldn't get out of our own way some days. Right. But so that's when you branched out, and and, and Rich, uh, we did one of our podcasts where, John, you'll appreciate this. I made the statement that. Uh, I and Ke- we never told guys not to work other places. Yeah, you never told me that. No, and, no. and you didn't. My my backup thing was I always said, don't work around here and work shitbag places because then it's not worth it. And that was my whole thing. Right. And you didn't. You you kind of left and went to other places. Right. And you touched on it. But what was your goal in, in getting away from us and getting away from New England? It was just to to get my name more mainstream and to try and and in the hotbed of indies at the time not that new england there wasn't anything going on but the hotbed was that jersey pennsylvania Mm -hmm. delaware maryland area so kind of going out there and working with different people um and i would come back every what maybe once a year or something you know for the big shows and i would come i remember coming back a few times Mm -hmm. um but it was kind of one of those things where well i've been here i've done everything why stay it wasn't it was never a personal thing you know uh this past time, I haven't wrestled in four years with the exception of last month. It wasn't, I don't want to wrestle anymore, ever. It said, I want to take a little break and mm-hmm. freshen up and, and kind of rest my body. And that's kind of what I did. Yeah. So same thing then, I think. And there was a time where I did take a few years off from wrestling. I think it took like a, maybe a year and a half off, and I just rested. It yeah. was building my house in like 2006. I just said, I'm going to take some time off. Being yeah. a grown-up. Being an adult. Trying. <laughs> yeah. But you, you were the... I don't want to say indie darling, but um, I always had a good friendship with uh, Brandy Mankowitz at PWI. Mm-hmm. You were, like she said, the wrestler du jour. You were the one everybody was talking about, and you were in the magazines and all this other stuff. And so, I mean, that truly proves that getting out of here, out of New England, and going and doing different things did great things for your career. Yeah, and I think now it might be a little different because everything is online now. Yeah. So... You have a match anywhere, people are going to see it because there's yeah. so much online stuff. So I don't know if that would really apply today, but the more experience, no. the more exposure, the better. So. And and you, Rich, you touched on this, but I'm going to tease everybody 
because I do have a couple questions for John when we come back from, from the break, and you, you just touched on one of them. Oh, my. Uh, about the reputation he had been building. But why don't we do this? We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and, and I, have, I have a few more questions for John as we are joined by, I, I will always call you, Hurricane John Walters. But you are listening to Let the Chaos Begin right here on the NAI Pop Network. You hear about Chaotic Wrestling's past on Let the Chaos Begin. But if you want to see its present and future, then go to Chaotic Wrestling Live. You can see all the Chaotic Wrestling action live and in person across New England. Go to chaoticwrestling.com slash tickets to see the current schedule of shows and to purchase tickets. It's all the action of Chaotic Wrestling live at chaoticwrestling.com. You know the New Age Size Wrestling Show is the premier place for wrestling fans to connect, discuss, and to be heard. But what if we told you that there's also a show for fans of all kinds to do the same? That show is Late Night Liam. Show hosted by myself, Liam Stryker. And me, Bill Neville. Join us immediately following NAI Pod every Wednesday as we dive into pop culture, sports, current events, and more. Can't listen live? No worries. Late Night Liam can be downloaded on demand exclusively on the NAI Network channel. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, and all podcast platforms. Once again, join Late Night Liam live every Wednesday following NAI Pod. When you and fans of all kinds can connect, discuss, and be heard. Welcome back. You are listening to Let the Chaos Begin. I'm Jamie J. Mikowski, joined as always by Richard Palladino, and we are joined by our very special guest tonight. Uh, the guest we've wanted almost since the beginning. We knew we were start talking about the history of chaotic wrestling. We have with us the Hurricane, John Walters. Wow, I'm impressed. You guys have been waiting for me, huh? We have been. You, you're like you've been the guest we've been waiting to get. Rich, you brought up uh, originally. Uh, I'm sorry, you brought up before the break about uh, John kind of being the the guy for a while. Though a lot of eyes on you. Um, you you kind of had a lot of buzz around you. And at the time, because of that whole thing with us and Kentner, we've talked about this a lot, how we kind of locked down WWE from Maine all the way down to Jersey. You were probably part of the crew, like with uh, Vince Vicala, who used to drive to like Albany or Pennsylvania. Even to D.C. once, I think we went to yeah. Atlantic, Atlantic City. I remember wrestling in Atlantic City twice for, wow. I think the time I wrestled the big show with Arch when we did that handicap match that was in Atlantic City yeah so it was far down and I think even to DC one time too oh wow so yeah whenever they were within driving distance even if you consider nine hours driving distance we were there yeah because yeah like between us Kevin and Jim we, we would put together if they said they wanted nine guys we'd figure out how to get nine guys together yep. and, and send them down there were you part of the friendly tap skit yeah I was there when? you were there yeah <laughs> it was uh, Arch and I in the corner Thank you sure. can't really see me in the skit too much, but uh, were you were you dressed up? Or were you guys just? I think I had like a like a button down shirt and jeans or something. And yeah, we all had yeah. some form of bandana. And what yeah. Jamie's alluding to? Oh no, was, Mike Studd was the one who was in full. Jamie, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mike Studd was in the uh, full dress full and approached drag. Ron Simmons yes. and Bradshaw at the That's bar. That's right. Right. Yes. There, we a, were we were extras. I mean, you got to you got to backstory that a little bit. There was well, a yeah. Well, calling we'll, we'll, for we'll about talk about that in the WWE episodes. Yeah. But, but a guy we should talk about one of these days too is is, is Mike Studd. Yeah. I mean, because oh. Mike came in and, and Mike just one of the nicest guys. He's awesome. Just a, he had like seventeen kids, if I remember correctly, yeah. right? <laughs> Eighteen. At least by now he's up to that. Oh yeah, at <laughs> least. But 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 anyways, John, there's a story that's been out there forever. And I, and I need confirmation or denial at this point. Okay. 
I've heard the story that you were working a dark match against Antonio Thomas. Vince McMahon walked by the monitor in the back and said, yeah, sign that guy. And Antonio got signed off that match. I, I mean, I know he got signed after that. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened, but um, I know I wrestled him, and, and after that match, he did get signed. And I think it might have been that night where they talked to him and said, we're going to offer you something. So I don't think you're far off in that. Hmm. See, I'm convinced. Here's my conspiracy theory. Yeah. I think Vince walked by the monitor, said, sign that guy, and they signed the wrong one. <laughs> I think that was supposed to be John's contract. I don't want to hear about that. No. No, I'm telling you, I, I, think, I think that's what happened. Well, at the time, you know, Antonio Thomas was tanned and, and ripped. And mm-hmm. um, so I don't think body, body-wise body we were much different in terms of size. Right. But I don't know. You know, that's what the thing with WWE is they one week they want something, the next week they don't. Sometimes they're sure. looking, they know what they're looking for. Sometimes they don't know until they see it. And it's a timing thing. Right. It's not always um, you're the best person you're getting signed. It's not always like that. Sometimes it's about... Uh, being prepared and, and being in the right in front of the right eyes at the right time, and sometimes that's all it takes. And then, John, I think I think you of all people will, will kind of appreciate my perspective on this. Is whenever we used to meet with them, and I would bring them their packets and suggestions of guys I think they should they should take. It wasn't always the best worker or mm-hmm. the best performer we had. What we were kind of trying to go off of is, you know, we had the great relationship with whether it was Pritchard or Dreamer or or Nova or some of the other guys. It would kind of be like, all right. What are they looking for right now? Right. Who do we? It reminds me of a little Brady Bunch episode, like with the Johnny Bravo suit. Who fits the suit? Who looks most like right. what they're looking for? And I, I still say, I think a lot of you guys, especially your group, it was all timing. Yeah, I think like you and Arch, if you guys were here now, you'd be signed. Right, because if Arch and I were signed at that time, we probably would have been the smallest guys there. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. This was bef- this was before guys that were under two twenty were getting signed. Right. Um, and I remember with Arch, they told him one time to cut his hair, then they said to grow it out, then they said to get bigger, then they said get leaner, get a tan, don't get a tan. So there was always, they were it was all these different things, and every week the the tune would change. And right. that's not saying they were messing with them, but that's how often they changed their mind of what they of what they yeah. want. I had a friend that was in developmental. I want to say maybe six seven years ago, and was he was told. Uh, you know, get lean. He got lean. Then they said, "All right, cut your hair." So he cut his hair, and next thing you know, he right after he cut his hair, they they cut they they released him. Mm-hmm. It's like it did everything they told me to do, and then the last thing was, "Okay, yeah, just just cut your hair." He had long hair. Just cut your hair. He cut his hair and got released. So yeah. they th- sometimes they don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but to your point, John, if you remember during that time, the one guy who got signed here was Brian Black. Right. And you can put a gun to my head, and I like Brian. Great guy. I was happy he got an opportunity there. He got signed because of his height mm-hmm. and his look. Sure. He he was not the best person we could have sent to WWE at that point in time. Right. And But if you look at acting, you look at Hollywood, mm-hmm. the best actors aren't necessarily on the screen. Right. Sometimes it's getting cast for the right role, getting the right agent, getting in front of the right eyes, and timing. So it's the same with wrestling. It's not always these are the best guys that are on TV. There's guys on the indies that I worked with back in the day that never made TV that I think are better workers than Mm -hmm. 90% of the guys that are there now. So, So. John, did you ever have the urge? Because one thing I've – and Mike Hollow and I, we still talk a lot. Um, One thing that I think kind of hurt this area for a period of time was there was what I like to call a legacy gap. Um, Kowalski had a school for the longest time. Then Mike took it over, and we had the CTC for the longest time. Nobody from your crew really came in after Mike. 
You know, there was, uh, for us, after Mike left, we had Brian Malonis, uh, Handsome Johnny, and Brian Fury took over as our trainers. Okay. And then Fury eventually started school. But I always thought there was a gap there. That like none of you, like you, God forbid, Arch opened a training school. But let's let's go back to to you. Did you ever have an urge to open a school or be a head trainer or do anything like that? At one point, when I was wrestling, I was close to getting a building and, and doing something, but the building was far away. And at the time, I was wrestling a lot. I said, "Do I have mm-hmm. time to commit to students and um, while working a regular job and wrestling weekends?" It just wasn't something that I that I ended up following through with. And I think to if I wanted to be a trainer, I would have to be done wrestling completely right. because that's the only way you can kind of put your selfishness aside and actually focus on your students. That's I'm what I think. So, I'm so glad you said that because I've always said that is the one thing about Mike Hollow that separated him from everybody else who had a school in this area because I fully believe if WWE had called any of those schools at that time and said, we have one contract, you can give it to anybody who's going to take it, everybody else, whoever owned the school would have taken the contract for themselves. <laughs> Mike would have given it to one of you guys. That's likely, yeah. And I and Hollow even said he w- stopped working because he wanted to focus on on training, and that's what I think. It's the way it should be done. But but I always I always thought there was that that was a weird little gap that I really thought that, and I would think back to the chaotic training center. I always think the CTC could have gone on a lot longer had one of you guys wanted to stay around but at the same time you were probably younger at the time like you said still working right and you still had other goals in the, in the business yeah and did, did when hollow what year was it that hollow stopped training there i don't, I don't even remember probably 2005 ish then he kind of came back for a little while mm-hmm. so it was it was back and, and that's forth when a malonis and, and malonis handsome and were handsome. doing it? okay mm-hmm. yeah i don't know but but yeah i, I always i always wondered about that did you ever want to be a trainer i would say yes but not enough to actually go through the Do late it. stages of doing it yeah mm. I, I, I can I keep going with my questions. I have a whole list of questions oh for John. Goodness. I haven't seen I haven't seen John in a long time. We said I'm on, like I'm on the hot seat. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I have an easy question for you. Okay, when you left and went away, did you have heat with chaotic at any point in time? I don't think I ever did. Really? Yeah. I thought you would heat, like I, heat. Yeah, like I thought you didn't like me, like more so than usual. No, really. No, I mean I don't like you now. I understand <laughs> that. We, we don't care for each other. But. Yeah, yeah. But uh, did I dislike you more then than I do now? No, I don't think no. so. No, it was never. And I was talking to Christian, Christian Casanova at the last chaotic yes. show, and he was talking to me. He goes, he goes, why did you stop wrestling? I said, I just didn't really feel like doing it. He said, right. I never retired. I never put my boots in the ring. I don't believe in doing that. For me, <laughs> for me. I stopped taking bookings. Same thing I'll do this time. I'll stop taking bookings because so many indie guys retire, not even indie guys, WWE guys, they retire and then they come back like two years later and wrestle. If you're retired, you're retired. You shouldn't be doing it anymore. Mm -hmm. Coming out of retirement and wrestling is how common is that? Everybody does it. So I just stopped taking bookings. And uh, Christian said to me, well, I heard some people say that you hated wrestling. I said, I never hated (laughs) wrestling. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't have any regrets from doing it. The whole... The whole aspect of entertaining the fans, staying in shape, putting on a show, I love that, and I still do. I just didn't want to do it at the time, so I stopped. Um, the times I left Chaotic, it was never a personal thing. Like, I hate Chaotic. It was like, well, I'm going to go do other things, or I need a break. That's basically what it was. I left Ring of Honor um, at one point for a little while, and people said, oh, why did you quit? I said, I just, I was injured. I wanted to I wanted to heal my body, mm-hmm. and I wanted to freshen up. Sometimes when you take time off and you come back, you're more valuable than being on every single show every weekend. So sometimes sometimes you just have to step back and, and kind of 
remarket yourself, reinvest yourself, and that's what I did. It was never uh, a heat thing. Yeah, because John had a couple of matches with Matt Hardy for another promo- for big time wrestling, mm-hmm. and that was it. He just decided. Um, I love the way you said it to me. You're like, no, I didn't put my boots in the ring and do a farewell tour. And you, you had told me right after, like you just said, I. I just stopped taking bookings. Didn't you tell me one promoter called you and started getting defensive? Like, why are you being such a jerk about us? Like, no, I'm just not taking any bookings. That's all. It's like, you know, you were still in demand after the fact, but I think a lot of promoters would automatically think, oh, he must hate the business. He must have heat with somebody. Because a lot of promoters aren't used to hearing the word no and not no in a negative way. No, I'm not interested. It's okay to not want to work every single show. Um, I turned down multiple bookings in Mexico for big money when I was doing my immigration thing because I didn't want to go to Mexico and get killed. <laughs> so it wasn't worth it to me. I, I wasn't this, I'm not this hungry independent wrestler that's broke that needs the money because that's all I do. I've always, I've always had a foot inside other stuff. I've always made investments. So wrestling was my priority and it was what I wanted to do for a living, but it wasn't one of these deals where if it didn't happen, I was going to get suicidal or depressed and start taking pills and not leave my house. It is what it is. I just, it's not a big deal to me. It's, it's not the be all end all. But you did take one booking, didn't you? Which one was that? When Rocky Romero called you. Yes. I went to New Zealand because I wanted to go to New Zealand. It was a good yeah, offer. Sure. Why, Why wouldn't you? No, no. That's, but again, kind of always my, but again, my and that, that piggybacks on what you had said earlier. And I respect that. It's just like, no, I didn't retire. Yeah. I just stopped taking bookings. Well, if somebody calls and says, oh, I'm going to fly you to yeah. New Zealand. How many matches? One match against Jay White. Okay, sure. Yeah, Where do yeah. I sign? Yeah, and just now people are like, well, why did you come back to Chaotic? Why now? Uh, I don't remember who asked me. I said, well, why? I, I'm here. I feel good. I want to do a few matches, have some fun, and that's all. I'm yeah. not looking to be a full-time wrestler again or be super active, but I don't physically feel any different than I did when I first started. I feel the same. Yeah. So why not do a few and have some fun and give myself a reason to stay in shape and entertain again? But um, I don't think I've ever had heat, heat with anybody in the, in the business. There's been people I don't like, but I don't... Th- Why is, does he look at me when he says that every time, <laughs> Every time there's you, people you, he doesn't like, he looks right at me. You he, asked the question. Heat and hate takes effort. I don't have that effort to, to, to be like that towards anybody. If I don't like somebody, I just, I just don't associate with them. And I'd like to uh. say, I mean, you and I have been pretty good friends for 17 years. I don't ever remember John saying, oh, I freaking hate Jamie and I hope chaotic burns to the ground. I don't ever remember any ill will or any comments like that about you or any promoters. I mean, no. you know, that's the truth. Yeah. You need more water. So, so now, now, John, do you remember like back, think back to your chaotic days, are, are there any matches you remember as being absolutely terrible or opponents who, Ooh. I mean, you did mention that you won a belt from Billy Kryptonite, didn't you? Yeah, Billy Kryptonite, Chad Wicks. What was his WWE name? Chad Dick. Chad Dick, Chad yeah. Dick. And, um, and now he's the Amish It Factor. <laughs> yeah, I wrestled him. Uh, Still? I don't know. I think, was that the only time we ever wrestled when I wrestled for the title? If, beat him? If, I think it if was. If you were lucky, yeah. Yeah, uh, Chad was very um, energetic. He he worked out like a horse. He cared about wrestling. He was a student, and mm-hmm. he always wanted to try different things. But there were just certain things I, don't, I just don't think he got. He didn't understand right. certain things. It was certain putting matches together um he would see a, a thing from an old tape and want to do it and put it into a match even if it didn't make sense and that's a minor character flaw but the, you know he was definitely yeah. an interesting character and for someone who did as much cardio as he did he sweated all over the ring and oh, that's uh, right remember it's like the imprint of his shirt would be in a big wet spot in the middle of the ring yeah i remember not to make this a chad wicks thing but i remember pat patterson coming to the school and Pat went outside to smoke a cigarette, and Chad followed him with his, with his notebook yeah. and yeah. pen, and just you know, I think he had the heart and the passion for it. 
Um, but I think somewhere along the way he got lost, whether it was working some old move that he had seen on an right. old tape or something. Because even when he left here, I remember he was living in Texas or something, and somebody had said, you should wrestle like, <clears throat> excuse me, like Freebird Buddy Roberts. And he had asked me for some old Buddy Roberts right. footage and stuff like that. So like that was the wrestler that he was most focused on. I don't know where the Amish yeah. it factor Somebody sent me the clip, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, he, he went right off the deep end. Yeah. The thing about Chad is he came across as kind of like a kiss-ass weasel, but he wasn't. He was authentic. He really mm-hmm. did yeah, want to learn. Yeah, he was learn. sincere. Yeah, he was very sincere. He was just golly gee shucks, Iowa. I want to learn. <laughs> I want to learn wrestling in the positive. And, and his voicemail was, you know, positive thinking is this and that. And that was him. But he yeah. rubbed some people the wrong way because... He came across in in a in a business full of weasels and backstabbers. He came across as one, but he wasn't. He was the opposite. Right. He was sincere, good guy, but there was just something missing with him. We did a we did a show. I want to say probably in Lowell on a Friday night, and we I think we were having Paul Bearer, God rest his soul, actually at the school the next day. Yeah. And Chad kind of lived South Shore, Massachusetts, and my brother lives very close to the school. And I said, well, I'm going to stay at my brother's house. I'm sure we got room if you want to crash. That next morning, just talking about old golly G and everything, that next morning, my God, if he wasn't hugging my brother and my sister-in-law, thank you so much. God bless you both for letting me stay in your home. It was absolutely wonderful. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. And me, it was like uncomfortable. Yeah. But that was just, that, that was, was Chad. And I don't I don't think the match I had with him was bad. So going back to any bad opponents, I can't even remember any real stinkers, but I'm no. sure there were some. Yeah, this is, where, this is where we need, you know, God rest his soul, Mucko and Pants here. They, yeah, they M- would Mucko would remember. Oh, yeah. All, Stink nose. All your bad matches. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know. There like, were some. Like we said, sure. going back to the, uh, I'll never forget Mucko's reaction to, like I said, that that bad chair shot. Yeah. Oh, I meant to touch on this earlier. And, and I don't know how much you remember the story. Cold Fury 2, this was that, uh, the last call, the ladder match that we talked about earlier with the chair shot for the finish. Do you remember... We're so new at this, we didn't know what size ladder to buy, how mm. big of a ladder. So somebody said, oh, get a 10-foot ladder. So Milo goes to the Home Depot in like his Saab convertible and buys a 10-foot ladder. We get out to the North Andover Middle School, now the rink's up, and you guys are going to run through it. I'll never forget. You're going to walk through the finish. Vince Vicalo gets halfway up the, the, the 10-foot ladder, looks down, and he's like, oh, Daddy, I, I can't go up there. <laughs> and you're like, no, Jay, come on, do this place. Like, no, I, I, I'm afraid. We'd take the ladder down. Milo had to go back to Home Depot and go get like a six or an, maybe it was like a 12 to an eight. Oh, man. But he had to get an eight foot ladder. And I'll never forget Milo telling the story. He goes up, he gets back there and he pulls up the thing. They're like, uh, and they're kind of looking at him like, well, sir, you were turning the ladder? He's only been gone for two hours. And they're thinking, oh, he bought a ladder, used it, and brought it yeah. back. He's like, cut down his leaves. He's, and like, then. he's <laughs> like, I know what you're thinking. And they're like, well, and he goes, look, I own a wrestling company. And I quote, he goes, I own a wrestling company, and the guy who was supposed to climb the ladder was too much of a pussy, so I need, <laughs> I need, a, I need a lower one. That's and pro- he came back with That's probably ladder. why he didn't climb all the way for the chair shot. He was probably scared. He was prob- I think the problem was, I think Jay was afraid of heights yeah. and didn't want to tell us. Or he was drunk and it was making him wheezy, but that match was perfect up to the finish. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. The other person we talk about all the time, and I want to bring him up, is if... if I'm, I'm actually psyched that you came back and did another run with Chaotic right now. I think this is so cool to see you back. The only guy, and for a while, when at the end of my run, the, the guy who was booking with me and I, do you know who we tried to get back and he would not come back? Who's that? Dukes Dalton. Really? Yeah. Dukes <laughs> is fantastic. Dukes you and uh, you and you you lost to him to unify a couple of titles. I think the TV title and, and the, the New light, England title. Uh, I think Dukes was the light heavyweight. Okay, remember he yeah. was. 
He had yeah, to be at that's 224 pounds. That was the starting the build of the Vicalo and I split because he yeah. cost me the belt drinking uh, drinking uh, on the job again. He was outside the ring and distracted me. Wow. And then Dukes beat me. But Dukes was one of those guys where he helped hollow a lot at the CTC, yeah. and Dukes was kind of more of the mild-mannered, uh, calm person when hollow was more yeah. aggressive yelling. Uh, and they, you know, they complimented each other well. But Dukes was one of those guys, if you wrestled him... He never wanted to do anything crazy, but he would do whatever you wanted. He was just, a, he was a pro, you know, mm-hmm. and he, and he, he knew how to get mileage out of his character and oh, out yeah. of the simple things. And yeah, what a, I, I wish he would come back. Here was a guy that was like an outlaw, a cowboy, whatever. And then yeah. chaotic, all of a sudden he became dancing Dukes yeah, Dolphin. Yeah, we a 70s disco gimmick. Yeah. yeah. And, the, it, and the, it worked. The one match of Dukes that stands out, and, and I'm leading into my last question, which is kind of the indies now and, and what you see out there. Mm-hmm. And I can speak now. I really try not to come across as the bitter guy who left. I'm I'm happy I'm out for my own reasons. Right. Much like you talked about, yeah. I was just done. Mm-hmm. But I still like it. I still I actually probably watch more wrestling now than when I was still owning Chaotic Wrestling. Mm-hmm. But but the one match I will always remember with Dukes. I'm sure you were on the show. We did a show like up on the main New Hampshire border. I think we were just over the border in Maine, and he worked Tito Santana. And Tito says to him, "I can't do much." And we had given them 15 minutes, and Dukes stalled for eight minutes. And he had that crowd so wound up and so around his finger that I, I personally think so many guys don't realize now, you don't have to do everything. No, you don't right. have to go 100 miles an hour. Dukes could literally not do anything for eight minutes with Tito Santana and get himself over and get Tito over. Yeah, I mean, and that's missing today. I remember doing my immigration thing where I would come out and cut a promo talking shit about um, Latinos and immigrants and the mask and this and that. And then, you know, Blue Demon Jr. would come out, who's this big Mexican star, Mm -hmm. and we would stall a punch or a backdrop would make the place go crazy. The more over you are, whether it's a negative, whether it's heat or or, uh, you're, you're a fan favorite, the less you have to do. And uh, especially when you're working with those older guys, if you get the chance to go to the uh, to go on the indies and work with XWB guys or names, they don't want to do a lot. First of all, a lot of them can't, and yeah. second, they don't need to. Right. So a lot of these guys who are just focused on moves and sequences and, and uh, high impact stuff and dives, if they get a chance to work, they're going to be lost if they don't learn how to work. And I was telling the guys at the uh, up at the school yesterday that I was saying, I guarantee you, not one. X WWE guy or, or a name when you work them on the Indies is going to care what what your moves are. They're going right. to care what your foot positioning, how you play the crowd, how you work, your transitions. That's all that matters, and that's missing today. Most of the Indies shows they go, it's all sequences, it's all dives. You see a super kick at least seven times a night. Um, <laughs> it's 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 very yeah, yeah uh, you know slapping the leg on punch. It's very bizarre to me that that's the norm. Yeah, and I I don't want to sound like a bitter dinosaur, but it's very <laughs> strange how there's so few people working holds um submissions and actually playing a character it's, it's, it's or not selling we, or selling we talked about jim kettner earlier and i remember jim taught me in when you do a gimmick match and it literally doesn't matter what the gimmick is ladder hardcore whatever it is he would always say whatever the prop is whatever the gimmick is go to it tease it but don't use it mm-hmm. make the crowd want to see mm-hmm. that ladder get used. Right. You can go under the ring, and if you get the garbage can, as you start to bring it in, great, your opponent should cut you off, and the garbage can falls. Right. Now you've introduced it, yep. and we're going to build to it, whereas now what you see a lot of is dump out, grab the grab the garbage can, bang. Yeah. Well, right. what's left now? Now yeah. we can do it. Right. Well, and it, that's just not with those kind of matches. It's with shows. Why give somebody everything you have, and then the next show you're doing the same exact moves, 
they've seen they've seen all your stuff already. You got to you got to build build to the big shows and the big matches. And if you're the first match, don't do a million things. Wait till the, you're in the main event, earn that spot, and then go out there and do it. I'm not saying people should not work hard and try to have the best match on the show. I do believe everybody sh- that should be everybody's goal. But know your place on the card and know your crowd, know your audience. Yeah. Remember remember tape review. Mm-hmm. When we would yeah. go back to the CCT and we'd watch the show and and what was Hollow great at? Yeah. Pointing out that stuff. Yeah. What are you doing that here for? And Mike would ask things like, where's, where's, where's this program going? And sometimes we'd be like, no, Mike, this was a one and done. And he'd roll his eyes, get pissed, and turn his hat sideways, get mad at all of us. Mm. But sometimes his point would be, okay, well, John, if, if you and you and uh, Arch are going for four shows, why are you doing all that in this one? Right. What, what are you leaving for later? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely... Uh... I don't know if it's just not being taught or it's just there's not enough veterans on the indie scene because they all get snagged up to teach guys. Could be a combination and again, of things. That, that kind of gets to, to my point earlier of I, I do feel like there's that that training gap where – and the other thing is, and I don't know if it's because of generations, as, as crazy as it sounds, um, I think guys now, they're more informed about health and cardio and all that. Mm-hmm. So guys are wrestling longer. Yeah. You know, you're looking at guys now, friends of ours, mm-hmm. who are at the age now still actively working and actually getting signed by places like Ring of Honor, WWE. And they're older than Mike Hollow was when he walked away to be a trainer. Right. So, you know, it's like people's careers are extending mm-hmm. and we're kind of we're losing that training gap in the middle a little bit. Yeah, and a lot of what you learn is on the indies. So a lot of these guys that are getting signed now that are, were indie guys, they're in a better spot than the you know the former uh, male model or or um, you know ring girl or whatever it was, sure, right. because they've already learned the ropes and they've lo- they've applied what they've learned in front of live crowds to see the reaction when the newer people haven't. So they're that's why you see some of the biggest stars are the guys that work on the indies because they they are fans of it and they have been there. Mm-hmm. So so now John I have to ask the standard the standard questions as we as we wrap up. Okay. Okay. Was there anybody you always wanted to wrestle that you didn't get a chance to? On the indies or just in general? In general. Oh, I mean Eddie Guerrero 100%. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was my dream match. Yeah. Um talk about a guy who wasn't just such a great technical wrestler when WWE started using him like in, in more of a character and he was doing that Latino heat thing and he was cheating and I mean it was it was so fantastic it's just and I remember he was in the indies for a little while doing some stuff mm-hmm. um, I would say definitely him maybe Angle back in the day yeah. too um, you know bring up Benoit of course we're going to bring him up because you know, it's, it's, yeah. you know don't want to go there but him too right um Hey, you know, him and I had a good relationship for a while. We were exchanging emails whenever I saw him at TVs. He was willing to help me. And um, just you look at those guys from back in Japan, like the Jerichos, the Benoits, the Guerrero, Malenko, those guys were smaller guys yeah. that had people eating out of the palm of their hands because oh, of the yeah. way they worked and their intensity and believability. And, but w- what he did in his personal life notwithstanding, right. that was the big comparison, you and Benoit. You you had that that look and that vibe to you it, yeah, when fun- you wrestled. And I remember one time on an email, he was telling me that he checked out my website and he thought it was funny that people were comparing us together. And um, he said, oh, people used to do that with me and Dynamite Kid too. And um, I remember with Benoit, we were doing the t- you know we were doing TVs at the time. I remember it was Arch Kincaid and myself. We wrestled Shane Helms and was it Rosie? Rosie, yeah, yeah. The, the Hurricane and Rosie. So we wrestled them for Sunday Night Heat. And I remember. Um, 
being in the locker room afterwards and I was talking to Shane and Shane was giving me some advice. He's like, you know, when you when you're on top of me, really get on top of me. Don't don't leave too much time in between, blah, 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 with the heat. And I remember turning around and Benoit was like two inches away from my face staring at me. And I was kind of like, well, what, you know, I thought he was mad at me. And he was just like, you impressed the fuck out of me. Like <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I had goosebumps because this is a guy who all indie guys looked at him as like the model guy of how to throw a chop, how to throw an elbow kick. I mean, he, everything he did, he delivered intensity. with intensity. Yeah. And I remember I was like, oh, this is my opportunity. I was like, you know, we sat down, we talked. He asked me who trained me, Kowalski. said, well, that's why you're good. And. I remember asking him, like, can I email you a tape or can I set, can I yeah, mail you a yeah. tape so you can die like my, you know, because I was going to be kind of Chad Wicks there. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to give this guy my stuff. So I did. I emailed him with stuff. He's like, I'm going to give you my address. He goes, this stays between us. And, you know, he was a very private person. Yeah. And I remember emailing him from AOL. And he had an AOL email too. That's awesome. And I remember, I guess when you email people on AOL, as an instant messenger, it automatically got programmed into your instant messenger. So I remember being in my house in Brimfield, Mass, in like 2003. I remember I was on my computer and I got an instant message from Wolverine One Sports. And it was wow. like, hey, John, hey, John, it's Benoit. I was like, oh, he's like, um, and this was just after I had wrestled Chris Masters on Raw. Remember, yep. I wrestled Chris Masters on Raw, and he goes, awesome job. He goes, I know it was a squash, you know, but one day someone's going to do that job for you. He goes, just keep doing what you're doing. He goes, how come you haven't got signed yet? I said, I said, I don't know. I think maybe I'm too small. He's like, bullshit. He's like, um, <laughs> he's like, uh, just keep doing what you're doing, and if I can help in any way. And, and he was very accommodating. Um, I mean, he was he was damaged. You know what I mean? The guy yeah. had so many yeah. issues. And um, I, I the, you, to point to one thing that that – did it you can't say well it was steroids or well it was alcohol or well it was painkillers it was a, d a bad marriage problems with the son i think everything it was everything yeah. boiled together that's what i think that's my opinion right um but yeah w you know what he did in the ring was what he did in the ring as a personal thing it's it's not me i don't you know i'm not going to judge anybody but i it's horrible it's terrible but he was willing to help indie guys big yeah. time i, I always yeah i always like to remember chris benoit as the amazing performer that he was because I remember when you were having those conversations with him mm -hmm. and he was just so genuine and sincere to John like hey you know you are you you are that fucking good you you are this you should be signing that stuff and then when you hear about you know what happened later it's like kind of like, oh geez but yeah. but that was it I mean like Jamie said yeah. I mean that was the big comparison oh my god he's like a Chris Benoit you yeah and that was never you know? my intention it was just I would try to take bits and pieces from everybody yeah and uh to me, he had the most believability in the simple moves where it's like, well, I'll throw an elbow like that. Right. But um, well, he probably had this huge appreciation of the fact that you were trained by Killer Kowalski. He was, you know, he trained with the hearts, with yeah. Stu Hart. So, I mean, there's that natural synergy right there. But so. I did notice sometimes I would see him at TV and he would like, you know, be all stressed out and like not talk to me. And then like a week later when and I'd be at TV yep. again, he'd be like, oh, I got your tape. I'm going to watch it. And you could tell there was something wrong. And yeah. It's funny because when you hear all these conspiracy theories of, oh, Kevin Sullivan killed Nancy and, and, and Chris and the kid, I traveled with Shane Helms. I traveled with Matt Hardy. Chavo Guerrero, those are three of his best friends. Yeah. Not one person said he didn't do it. They all knew he was he had some some issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just you know who can predict something like that, something so terrible. It's it's an awful thing and gross. But um, but but on a brighter note, yes. Watch watch me pivot. Rich. <laughs> yes, yeah. Please do. You, yes. You're back in chaotic wrestling. I am. You've made a return. You're back on the <laughs> East Coast for a little while. You worked uh, Ilya Markopoulos. Yes. On your on your reintroduction to chaotic. Yep. And next Friday I'll be wrestling in Lowell uh, for the yeah. first time in. Was that seven years? Wow. Yeah, yeah it'll be uh, 
so it'll when, be the night. Actually, the, the day this drops, you'll yeah, be you'll be October there tonight. October fifth. tonight. Okay. And uh, so, as you look at the chaotic wrestling roster, I don't know how long you're going to be around. Who else on the roster? If, if you get a chance to wrestle, who, who would you like to wrestle? Um, I'll wrestle all of them. You know, whether it's a new guy that's inexperienced that needs that exposure, or it's one of the older guys, a veteran. I'm open for whatever. You know me; I never cared who I wrestled. Or, or I know there's one guy though. You mentioned him earlier that you said you'd love to wrestle, and that'd be Christian Casanova. Yeah, Christian, I think is. Uh, he gets it. He Christian, does. Christian gets it. He knows how to. He yep. know, knows how to play his character. He's athletic, um, and he's just a good, good person, good kid. See, my so. mind's been racing since when when John first said he was coming home and he's going to be home for an extended period of time. You know, we talked months ago about him doing this, and I remember before the first match with Ilya, I said, you know, well, I'm doing other stuff. Do you want to work anywhere else? And he goes, Let's see how that first match goes. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was like he hadn't been away for years it was just like he just stepped in there and the match was great and everything was smooth and it was just like like i think you had posted something that day like there will be no ring rust i'm in the best shape of my career yeah and that was it ring shape is different than anything else you take somebody that runs marathon or somebody that's a crossfitter or somebody that lifts weights religiously getting in the ring is a different ball game doing an eight to ten minute match is a lot so i went back up and i trained in the ring a few for you know once Mm -hmm. a week for about three to three four weeks and you know, towards the end of the match, I definitely felt, hey, there's, a, this, I haven't done this in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you can feel it. But physically, I was fine the next morning. I wasn't winded. I felt good. And um, I'm ready to go. I could do a 20-minute match right <laughs> now. Uh, but that's, it's like riding a bike when you've done it for so long and you know how to breathe and pace yeah. yourself and, and work uh, and work and not just have all these million things planned and, and yeah. breeze through them. And, yeah. yeah. Now, it's crazy. I was I was actually going to come to the show in Woburn uh, that night, but that was a night that... Uh, Half of the town I live in started exploding right. with gas, so so I couldn't get down there. Yeah, we got it on Facebook that you marked yourself safe, and the whole locker room kind of groaned. <laughs> well, I believe didn't you start burying me immediately? Were, were you the one? I said, hey, hey everybody, Jamie marked himself safe from the uh, gas explosions. They go, shit, really? Yeah, yeah. I thought I, I saw a social media back and forth between you two. John, you miserable? Well, I am now that you marked yourself safe. Exactly. Yeah. It went down downhill from there. Yeah, of course. But uh, but I, you know, I, I should probably come to one of the shows that you come back out on one condition. Uh, can we get Vince Vicalo out of retirement? Oh, we got to reunite. Yeah, we have been, to reunite Twelve Pack. We've been talking about this, so we're gonna have to. I'm, we're, Rich, we're I'll gonna make, do it. I'll tonight, make a deal Rich. with you. Yes. This is like old J. What, look at this. Wait, hold on. I gotta get a logo turtleneck real quick. Let me yeah, put on a logo turtleneck. Have, where is it? <laughs> no, I, I'm not allowed. It's, it was in the. I'm not allowed to wear any chaotic wrestling logos <laughs> I anymore. I can no longer represent myself as a. Uh, you didn't as have an official. A, you didn't have a good attorney. Um, but, Rich, I'll make a deal with you. Yes. If you can get Vince Vicalo to come back to reform 12-pack, uh-huh. I'll reach out to the Annihilators, Seek and Destroy, oh and see if we can get them to, to, to come back. The, for, their for, identities are still a mystery. Still a mystery. I have no idea who they are. No idea. Oh, my God. Do, do you remember Seriously. the night? Where were we? Was that Upton? Upton? I believe it was Upton. Yeah, it was one, it was one of those paid shows. Oh, was we it, had King yes. Kong Bundy there that yeah, night. It wasn't yeah. a regular building. No. And I remember Vicalo and I had... We were supposed to wrestle each other, I believe. No, um, no it was a tag match. We were supposed to wrestling. It was like a, Jimmy Jack. Yes. Cash, no, it was Vicalo and I were supposed. We, I think we were going to wrestle Mike Stud, and then remember that other kid that was an early Kowalski student Scarecrow? when I started. I don't think it was Scarecrow. I yeah. think it was maybe it was Scarecrow. Maybe they were a team. But, so. but anyways, I remember Vicalo and I talking over the match with them, and then I'd always catch them off in the corner, kind of talking, and I was yeah. like, then I'd put two and two together after what happened happened. I'm like, why are those guys talking? I was like, you guys all said you got everything, and they kind of blew off our spots. I was like, 
Well, I guess they got it. Yeah. So Vical and I went out there, and then here come the Annihilators and Mask, completely uh, <laughs> a surprise, and we yeah. we worked the tag match on the fly, and it was kind of one of those things that Hollow and Duke said, we're going to teach these guys how to call a match on the fly, because yeah. Vicalo and I knew how, but we got kind of caught up early days of doing a lot of spots and back yeah. and forth stuff. And it was it was a great lesson. And you passed was, the test. Yeah. I remember, wasn't the quote as as Seek hit the ring, Hollow walks by you guys and says, "No spots tonight, boys." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I remember Michaelo tapping me because he saw them first. I had my back to the thing. He goes, we're, "He goes, we're gonna get stretched." And that's what Michaelo said. He goes, we're, "We're about to get stretched." And I said, "Oh man!" And I didn't realize who it was yeah. until I they came up close, right. and then I was like, "Oh man, it's them." And then the match was fun. Yeah. You know, was, I bet was, you that footage is somewhere on the YouTube. I think Rich Lannon has been putting up a couple of matches from that same is, show. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that, that would was be the other thing that by see. the end of my chaotic run, that's one of the things that kind of made me finally kind of walk away. Because obviously it's been a long time since you were there. But that first group of friends of mine, you, Pants, Mucko, mm -hmm. you guys had all moved on. Then really even that second group that I was really close with, Handsome, Malonis, Tommaso, obviously... They all started to splinter, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I was a 45-year-old guy in a locker room full of 20-year-olds. Right. I'm like, right. I don't have a place here anymore. Yeah. But the other thing that I lost at the end was Chaotic had become such a business, and I'd had it for 18 years. The fun stuff was gone. Right. Like, we didn't do that that stupid stuff anymore. Like, even when we'd get the random paid show, yeah. we'd book it just like a Chaotic show rather than saying... All right, you know what? Let two guys come out and wrestle. Let let Rick Fuller chop the crap out of somebody for <laughs> for twenty minutes. Right, like all the fun was gone, and, and that's one thing that I, I wish some of these guys in it now would recognize. Yeah, is that you can still have fun when you're out there. I think in any line of work, if you don't like what you're doing, it, it's going to be a miserable existence. Miserable. Uh, a job shouldn't be something that you dread going to every day. And that's kind of why people are like, oh, you kind of do whatever you want. You go across the country and you work. I said, well, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing that. Right. I can't sit at a desk. That's right. not me. I can't work. I've never had an eight to five job in my life. Never. And I probably never will. I can't. I can't do it. It's not for me. Uh, I don't take orders well. And I like being my own boss and just kind of the way we're well, One at. thing that always stays the same, no matter whether you're wrestling or not wrestling in your home, uh, Jamie and I talked about his favorite memories of the CTC back in the day, and let's face it, there's nothing better than what after a show? Treats. 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 There it is. There it is. Okay, guys. Okay. Okay, guys. Chicken, chicken kebab and rice, seventeen fifty. He's not there anymore. I wonder why. Except for Johnny. John. Oh, Johnny, five dollars. I gave you free rice today. That's John, what he, said. Yeah. he loved you. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. You, you, you Greeks, you all stuck together. Yeah, but I, his price gouging didn't last any long because it's a, it's a different name now. Well, that, that's why we had to finally go. We started going to the nines because we couldn't afford it. If anymore. we're gonna pay nineteen dollars for a plate, we might as well go get a steak, <laughs> right? Instead of a, a small Italian. It's all about the and treats. We, we talked about it on the last show john um is and then we'll wrap up but remember coming out of the nines with uh, how much mucko and pants would love the the seven man back-to-backs oh in the parking lot incredible <laughs> and right across from mucko's condo he lived yeah. right there yeah and uh god and, it was, that's sad that's and, sad that he's gone and we told yeah. the story but we told the story about the night uh that poor guy saw you all beating the crap out of psycho yeah and, and the guy ran. pulled over he was he was gonna he yeah. was gonna jump in there was like five of us were throwing work punches at psycho <laughs> someone's holding him from behind we're punching him in I just look over and there's a car pulled over on what is that one one twenty five? One twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. There's a car pulled over and a guy sprinting at us full speed. And the guy was probably hundred thirty pounds soaking. He was like a business guy in like a shirt and t a shirt and tie. And uh, I said, whoa, 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 we're just playing, we're just playing. And he was like, whew, he goes, I knew I was going to get my ass kicked. I felt, I felt so bad you guys were beating this guy up. I said, yeah, we're just messing around. And I was like, thanks for stopping though. And 
Yeah. After but, that, we didn't do that anymore. But anyway, we said it's so funny. It's it's literally like 15 years later, and there's still a group of us. Like if we just throw out, you know, okay, guys, ready, yeah. or or treats, or you muck, you why, why are you miserable? You miserable? It's like all these things just come flooding back to us. Yeah. I still do it at home all from, the time. From that that my, first group. My wife is sick of that. If she is not I'm smiling, never, I always just go miserable. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I'm going to say it tonight to whoever I see. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You said it to me when you walked in the door? Yep. Yes. So, uh, John, thank you for My joining pleasure. us. Thank you, guys. A- anything f- you want to plug, John? Any uptime website? No? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, be at the Chaotic Show October 5th, October 26th, and uh, November else? 16th. Those are the three shows that I am committed to. Uh, chaoticwrestling.com is still up and running and Facebook if, page and if I pull something else out elsewhere you know you yeah. get some wrestling in my Facebook page is it's funny because somewhere as we wrap this up it's funny because when he was home last year um, I brought John came with me to uh, a Beyond Wrestling show and Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson I, I introduced John to him he's like oh my god big fan and as soon as John walked away he goes you know John Walters I'm like it's one of my best friends in the business he goes such a John Walters mark back in 2004, 2005. The pure title. Well, because he was like 14 or 15 at the yeah, time, right? He's younger. He's in mid 20s now? Yeah, about like late, late 20s? 20s maybe. Yeah, so he, you know, he told me I used to watch you when I was a kid. I was like, don't ever say that to me again. So like, you make me feel old. And Rich, I'll, Rich what, what was John's Chaotic Wrestling t shirt? Did he have one back in the day? Oh, I sure did. Take shelter from the storm. Yeah. Oh my God. That's I, I, awesome. I still sure have did. one at home. It sure does. Yeah, with the breeze and the white. Yeah. And, um, and, then, and then, real quick. <laughs> Real quick, um, and then just this past weekend, I was very fortunate to uh, be hanging out with Paul London, and I said, "Oh shit, he must remember John." And oh my God, his face just lit up. And more from the R.J. Brewer days. You had talked about your uh, your deportation gimmick that you yeah. were doing in Lucha Libre yeah, Paul USA. Came to Lucha Libre USA and worked under a mask for a while. But I remember him from the Indies. I actually wrestled Paul London and Spanky uh, wrestled Danielson and I on Velocity. That's on YouTube. Wow. Um, but I had known Paul Brown from the Ring of Honor days in the Indies, too. So. What a Good lasting guy. impression this guy has made. So that's it. John, thanks again for joining us. Pleasure was all mine. Blah. Jamie. Come on. <laughs> Miserable? Yes. All right. Jamie, uh, we'll do this again. Um, give us your feedback, of course, guys, uh, on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Let us know what you think. Do you like the guest? Do you not like the guest? What do you think of John Walters? Does Yay! he does he make you miserable? <laughs> Let us know. So on behalf of John Walters and Jamie Jamikowski, I am Rich Paladino. This is Let the Chaos Begin, and we will see you next time. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>